What's up, Dan? How's it going, my friend? Not too bad, Greg. How are you tonight? Doing just fine. I understand that you are just coming off of a little bit of Quake tournament play today. How'd it go? Uh, it went pretty good. The goal was to um, make top two. It was a qualifying tournament to play in the big double elimination tournament here. next, And I made top two. I made it all the way. So I am a qualified player. So you'll be able to play in a follow-up tournament next month? Is that the like the big tournament or is there a further round? I have no idea how any of these things are structured. So give me like a high-level overview of you are a competitive Quake player and you've been doing this for years. So uh, give me the DL, how this works. All right. So in Quake Champions, there is a Quake Pro League. And I am not a pro player, so I'm not in the pro league, but you can compete in the Challengers League to get a shot at being in the pro league, which is what I'm currently doing. So the way it works is they run eight tournaments um, for about two months or so, and the top two from each of these tournaments qualify into a big, huge tournament, 16-man double elimination bracket, um, which is being hosted for this stage right now. It's going to be hosted on February 8th, I believe. And the top two from that tournament will be qualified to have a shot at some of the pro players who are in relegation. So um, what that means is basically if you make top two in that uh the big tournament you're gonna get um a trip uh paid for by bethesda and in software out to i am Katowice, which is where the next land tournament for quake's going to be held and from there you're gonna participate in a best of five against a relegation player and if you win congratulations you are now a pro league player that's intense man that's quite a gauntlet have you done yeah, this kind of thing before um not quite to this degree i would say uh, this is definitely a pretty intense, you know, the Pro League has only been going for this first year. They're in the first year of it. So normally, otherwise, it's generally just open tournaments. And, you know, you know, the winners of the tournaments make whatever the prize of the tournament is. So this is definitely a, a strenuous run to get somewhere. But, you know, a Pro League player, you get automatic. Um, there's a lot of perks to it from what I, from what I understand. So, like what? What's it mean um, to be a Pro Quake player? Um... You get you get paid to play the game, obviously, because you're a professional. Um, you get to become a partner on Twitch. You um, get to go to LAN events um, on without having to pay for it yourself, you know? So you're kind of sponsored. Right. And so, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me would be being able to go to LAN events and having that travel paid for. Because like I said, even being able to go to IMM Katowice, which is just a huge tournament. So on top of getting to go and play Quake on LAN, against professional players, you get to go to these huge eSport events and just get to check it all out, which is, you know, obviously something I'd be very interested in. No, no doubt. So yeah, back in the day, um, the idea of making a living off of video games was kind of something that I think people chuckled at. It's very cool to hear that that's really changing in a big way. And honestly, when it comes to the whole competitive scene, I'm a little bit unplugged. And I have a really silly question for you um, when it comes to that, actually. Are you playing Quake 3, Quake Live, Quake Champions? What exactly is it that you're playing in these tournaments? Um, currently, right now, the game is Quake Champions. For a very long time, it was Quake Live, which was a browser-based kind of re-renovation of quake 3 a slight modernization um but now it's quake live and it's been quick live for um working on three years and, and i'm so sorry quake champions right right and is there still a quake live competitive scene um there are people that play it um 
there are not in North America really, but in Europe they have the occasional oddball dual tournament here and there. Um, they actually just ran a dual tournament um, a week ago, I believe. Nothing too major, you know, just a small fry, $300, $400 tournament. But um, there is definitely still a scene that plays and enjoys um, the old school Quakes. Right. Yeah, Quake's one of those things that's kind of, I think, part of part of a lot of the gaming DNA of what gaming turned out to be in, in 2020. Um, and it's really interesting to see how it's been iterated on over the years. We had Quake and Quake 2, of course. Quake 3 came out. Quake 3, when that came out, that was around the time I got started playing really PC games for real. And eventually we detoured through like Doom 3 and Quake 4, and I kind of have the impression that those didn't really take very well. And then one day someone told me you could play Quake in a browser. And I was like, what? And that really seemed to... Do you have a lot of knowledge of, of how Quake Live became a thing? Uh, yeah, so Quake Live actually began in software as Quake Zero. And it was the idea behind it was you could make Quake 3 free-to-play in a browser um, and have the service be paid for by um, ads in the game. Uh, there are two problems with that, though. Um, a, Quake just is kind of a, especially Quake 3. Um, it's The free-to-play model was cool. It had a lot of general interest in the beginning. But Quake is a very fast game, so you are not you don't really have a whole lot of time to look at the billboards that the ads are in. So right. advertisers quickly kind of were like, um, I mean, it's a nice idea, but they're never seeing our ads. They're too busy shooting rockets and rails at each other. So, huh. Yeah, the main thing is seeing the ad on the screen, right? And right, one of the things right. that's inherently um, important when it comes to Quake is spectatability, too. Yes, yes, absolutely. I remember when... Um, so you and I, our shared kind of heritage is, of course, Team Fortress Classic. I remember when they introduced Half-Life TV to that. Um, and whenever I play a new modern game a shoot, uh, that, that doesn't have a spectator mode, I always scratch my head and ask, like, wait a second, why are we going backwards on this whole spectating thing? People love watching others play games. And while Twitch is, like, an amazing phenomenon, um, I think that... Uh, the loss of, of spectating in a lot of games really puzzles me. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with that statement. Um, the uh, lack of um, a GTV and Quake, or like you said, Half-Life TV and uh, Half-Life Counter-Strike, all the Half-Life mods, um, is honestly pretty baffling. But uh, one thing that, for as much as gaming is blowing up, a lot of the freedoms that we as old schoolers kind of enjoy are becoming either monetized or just outright taken away, like dedicated servers, land support, the ability to customize your game without you know spending hundreds of dollars on skins. Um, those are all luxuries we kind of had, and as it's become more and more popular, they're just, like I said, they're either monetized or you just don't have the ability to do it. How important is that stuff to competition? Is it important? I would say spectating clients. Um, the the Having a client that you can use, so... Um, out of all the competitive games out there, and I can't speak for um, MMOs or anything like that, like Dota 2 or uh, L, um, League of Legends or anything like that, but when it comes to FPSs, um, the having a console, you know, being able to get your game set up exactly the way you want it, getting all your settings set exactly the way you want it, not having a slider bar for your sensitivity and whatnot. Um, Counter-Strike still is probably the most 
accessible in that sense. You still can record demos. You can get, um, they still have, I think it's uh, Source TV here. I don't know what it would be, but they have an HLTV equivalent. And um, you can still export config files. You can still open config files and be able to do that. You can't customize individual like models or sprites or anything anymore. But as far as a competitive FPS, um, Counter-Strike is really the only one that has been uh, the kind of living up to that old school kind of freedom, I guess. I would say it's pretty important to a competitive FPS because um, players are very finicky, especially when you really are start sinking hours into a game. You know, you have, you know how you want your game to feel. You know what works for, for you. So I gotta um, invert that I've, mouse, son. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Some people, and that's some. You know, some people like to adjust their yaw and pitch. Some people play with a crazy amount of Excel, you know, some people have to make sure there's not even a drop of Excel in their settings. I would say it's yeah. pretty important for a competitive FPS to be viable. That makes sense. You brought up Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike is continuing to be a worldwide phenomenon. And I was looking at Steam charts the other day um, just to get a sense for where a few games are at. And of course, Counter-Strike has hundreds of thousands of players playing it every single day. And I was surprised to see the Quake Champions, uh, which is a game that uh, I actually liked playing back when it kind of um, had its big marketing push a year and a half ago, and which, you know, you play and there's a thriving pro scene for, just hasn't seemed to take with the general public. It only had a few hundred daily active players. Is that right? Like, was I looking at the right information there? What's your sense of it? Uh, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, so Quick Champions has kind of a couple problems. Um, it does have a thriving pro scene, but that's kind of the um, the core of Quake. It's a very, very competitive game. You know, there's very few, like, pubbers or casual players or, you know, it's not a game you pick up for a couple months, like, okay, and now, you know, uh, you're done with it. And it's generally, even if players do only play it shorthandedly, they either know what kind of environment it is and they go into it ready for it, meaning they come from other competitive games like mm -hmm. Counter-Strike or TFC, um, or um, they're just diehard vets. You know, there's so many of us that play Quake that have been playing Quake for 10, 15, 20 years, some of these guys. Um, and there's not a single pro who hasn't been at least playing the game since probably the quake three days i can't think of a single quake three or i'm sorry quake champions pro league player who was not introduced to the quake games easily probably 10 years um it's it's kind of a lifelong thing it's a very it's a very difficult game to get into not because it's like super cerebral but it's just very demanding mechanically to be decent at so uh, it doesn't retain a lot of players for that fact, but the people that it does snare, it snares like forever. You're never going to quit playing Quake, basically. Um, and on top of that, just the difficulty of learning all the mechanics and stuff, uh, Quake Champions is kind of not very newbie friendly. There's not, there is like matchmaking that kind of keeps good players from bad players, but when the player pool is so low, you're any new player that gets who loads up the game is going to get, you know, he's going to get matched with people he should not be getting matched with. If he gets is, into a game at all. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's and that's why having that low player count is just brutal. Is because once he does, finally, you know, after two, four, five, ten minutes of waiting, he gets into a game and his first impression is, well, everyone here is just destroying me. Like, I don't really want to continue playing this. So even if they are interested in, learning the game there's generally not a positive enough environment to re retain those kind of players you have to have the kind of the mindset that you're going to get beat down for a while 
lifestyle and you have to be okay with that. And most people are, you know, I get home from work. I'm trying to chill out, trying to have a good time. I'm not trying to yeah. get off an eight hour shift and come home and get, you know, shot into the ground all night and, you know, get a couple kills maybe. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Quake is maybe the kind of game that can be adapted for a casual audience. It seems like it's really for the people who want to try hard, who want to review their own gameplay, who want to do what you're doing and really try to see how far they can take it. But is it important for a game like Quake Champions to have a casual base? They've got a battle pass, basically, right? My impression is that they need a lot of people to make their model work. Am I wrong there? I don't think you're wrong. I think the game is kind of struggling right now. Um, which is unfortunate. Um, it's technically still in early access. Um, but there's, there's been very, very little new content for us players lately. Um, they've got, you know, they, they throw out some skins and stuff, but it's been so long since we've had a new map or a fresh game mode or, um, uh, even like a competitive team mode. I mean, we have duel, which is wonderful. I love dueling, but there's also a rich history of team mode, competitive team modes in Quake, and that's kind of been left on the wayside. And um, I don't know if they're working on stuff. I don't know if they're planning it. I mean, there's not a whole lot of transparency from the Quake Champions developers and the, the uh, community at large. So we nobody really knows exactly what's going on with the game. Oh. We just know that there's a pro league and there's an environment to compete in, which keeps us competitors around because that's, that's what we're there for in the first place. So... I guess that part of the market's being taken care of to an extent, but for a casual market, I would say that most of them have probably moved on from Quake Champions, or at the very least, are playing it very, very rarely nowadays. Yeah, Quake Champions is a game that I'm always on the lookout for to see what it's doing, because I really like the way the game feels. Honestly, just for speaking personally, um, the whole competitive part of gaming is something that's kind of uh, like a second or tertiary priority for me personally, so... Um, a game like Quake, like the dual mode, isn't the kind of thing I'm likely to want to throw myself into. But I am attracted to like just jumping in and like doing some CTF or, like, or like jumping on on a Saturday night with my bros and doing some TDM and you know trying to figure out you know who's got the best rocket launcher aim or whatever, trying to get each other to rage out with lightning guns. Uh, but um, I guess I'm trying to put together a picture from what you're telling me. What I think I'm hearing is that Quake, although it has a very dedicated base um, doesn't seem to know what it wants in terms of the game it's making. And I'm worried because I like Quake. I want Quake to be a thing. When you're running no, these I've... tournaments, like, what, what, sorry, not running these tournaments, when you're playing in these tournaments, um, are these tournaments that are, uh, the money that gets generated by these tournaments, does it go to or from the developer or is it run by a league that just uses the game? Like, how does that partnership work from a business perspective you have any idea um well like i said there's not a whole lot of transparency but it's pretty easy to deduce at the moment that the money for the pro league is being funded directly by id software and bethesda okay um so as far as i'm aware if they do have any sponsors i haven't seen any um like like at all um the last land tournament was at luca in, in italy and I don't remember hearing that a prize pool was funded, you know, because if they're if it's sponsored, obviously they're gonna thank the sponsor. And there was no there was no word or mention of any of that. So I'm pretty sure it's all internally funded right now, which is where having a huge studio like Bethesda really comes in handy because they have so much money on hand. They have so many different franchises. So they're they're supporting it directly. So I'm hoping that they've got some big plans working for the game and they're just working on them. 
but from from right now it doesn't seem like there's any um outside sponsorship of quake at the moment gotcha. and um the game definitely does have an identity problem um it's been changed very very heavily ever since it was released in early access the quake champions of now is not the quake champions of last year and it's definitely not the quake champions of two years ago that game was radically different so how would you say it's um, changed uh, well, the 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 abilities all got nerfed down. So the entire the core gameplay aspect was the champion's ability, which was kind of like an Overwatchy thing. You know, you can right. be Galena, and you can be a healer, you can be a ranger, and teleport around with the orb. But um, the biggest thing gameplay wise is is it's become much more quake than it was because in the very beginning it was very overwatch your abilities were just ridiculously powerful you could insta frag somebody with ranger's orb um galena's totems did more damage and they healed more and they took less time to get put down um clutch's shield used to block all damage no matter what um it just everything was just much much stronger you could telefrag people coming out of mixes and visibility like it, it, everything the abilities were just overpowered relative to the core gameplay uh -huh. so um over over the last couple of years they've listened to the community who are diehard quake vets who aren't used to abilities in games and they've toned them down so they're more of an asset not a game changer you still have to have really good solid quake fundamentals to be good at quake champions so um and um, they had a huge emphasis on a team mode called Sacrifice when the game first came out. But how's that mode whatever, work? I never actually so played it. It's like it's like a one map CTF. But so basically, there's a what what they call a soul. You can call it a ball. You can call it whatever you want. But it's a soul in the game. It's a little floating skull, and you pick that up. And there's two capture points on the map, and you pick one with the soul, and you capture it. So that becomes your point, and you have to defend it which means you hold the soul there until you hit hundred percent, you win a round and it's best of two or best of three rounds to win okay. a map. Um, pretty simple concept for a game, but when you've got eight players, all fresh spawning, all finding guns, finding armor, finding uh, cooldowns for their abilities, running around. I mean, as a player, it's, I understand how coordinated it takes to be truly great at it and the level of teamwork it takes. It's a great game mode as a player, but as a spectator, it's just, it looks like chaos. The, the people are running right. around in every other direction, grabbing stuff. You know, if you were a non-player, you would have no idea. You would get that one base is red and one base is blue and the red guys are attacking the blue guys. But like any more nuance than that, you would, you would have no idea. Especially with abilities firing off and all these all kinds of crazy shit happening. Yeah, rails across the map. Exactly. It was just, from a spectator standpoint, it was pure chaos. Right. And which is one of the cool things about the dual mode is it's very easy to shrink it down to what exactly is happening. I've watched a few um, shoutcasts. I'm not sure if that's the right word anymore. Uh, broadcast in the case of people narrating high-level competitions those are really it's really fun to hear the the announcers getting into the heads of whoever's playing being like oh he's doing this he's tracking this there's x number of seconds till the mega or whatever um the micro play and the item management of dueling is it's really com it's a really compelling gameplay loop to get into and sink your teeth into i'm guessing that's what you love about quake yes absolutely um duel is definitely when I first started playing Quake, actually, I was, because I come from TFC, as you know, so I was actually very, very into the whole um, team mode aspect. So I started out playing Quake CTF, and I got really into Quake TDM. But after those game modes kind of fell by the wayside, I became a dueler, and I actually fell in love with the game mode duel because it's 
all the weight's on you and it seems you know it's very simple frag the other guy more and you win but the the, the way you achieve that goal is so not just it's you can't brute force it there is so much nuance to learning to read their movements getting in like you said getting in their head kind of understanding psychologically what they're trying to do controlling the items controlling the map getting in positions where you can trap or ambush or chip damage like there's so much you have to think about on a constant basis it's very very um it's very uh taxing to think about that's kind of sort of the wrong word because that makes it seem like it's not enjoyable but it's it's draining to do because it is so much mental work but it's very very rewarding to be good at right it's very intense and if you're just watching it not having any knowledge of what it takes to have the player do what they're doing it's easy to be like oh they're just running around and pointing and shooting how hard can it be right 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 but once you know that oh they're keeping track of the, the individual respawn timers on three different map items and they're also making educated guesses about where the other player is spawning or where they're going and what kind of items and weapons they're trying to go to and how you can respond to those kinds of things um it becomes very exciting but you need someone who can really communicate what's going on for that to happen. And then there's the whole spectatability thing that comes in again. Um, so you said that you made a transition from Team Fortress Classic to Quake. Uh, when was that? Um, I have played both of them pretty much side by side. I started playing Quake very shortly after I got into TFC. Um, I would say I put more hours into Quake, though, because although I love TFC very, very much, I got into the game too late to be uh, truly competitive in it. You know, there were no matches, there were no uh, leagues for me to compete in by the time I was really wanting to compete. So um, I was given a beta key to Quake Live by Neon Light from Team Fortress Classic. And he, and by doing that, I discovered this whole world that had tournaments, not so much leagues, they had tournaments. And so the transition happened about two years into me playing games uh period but i would say that um cfc was like my fun keep your mechanics sharp game and have a good time with the friends and quake was always okay i'm gonna i'm like i'm gonna watch my demos i'm gonna try very hard i want like i want to be good at this i want to be good good at this so i um there wasn't so much a transition so much as um where i was gonna spend my time i guess yeah i see what you're saying and I understand what it's like to have a game that's kind of like a, a guilty pleasure game, you know, something you just blow off steam with, versus a game you put your, your kind of main attention into and your intentionality into. I'm really fascinated about what it is that that drives players who choose to invest their their own precious time into getting really good at a game like Quake. Um, what drives you, man? Um, the thing that, especially when I got into Quake Live, the thing about Quake that was so rewarding to me to get good at was because it is such a hard game to get good at as far as the mechanics. And really, when you get to high-level duel, you have to have a lot of knowledge and game experience because those players will read you like a book if you're obvious and they will just slaughter you. Um, but the thing about Quake that's so rewarding is it's like once you get good at it, it's, it's like being – it's just – Nobody can ever take that away from you. Nobody's ever going to walk up to you and, and, you know, like throw up some Overwatch ability shield and be like, okay, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're not doing anything to me. Once mm. you're good at Quake, if, if someone else steps in that server, if they're not as good at you or better, you're going to beat them 90% of the time unless you yourself mess up. 
So it's, it's a skill that feels very measurable to me. It's very, it's, you know, like it's, it's something that is almost tangible in the sense that when I do lose, it's to someone who is better than me, or it's because I made an error. It's not because of some mechanic that was thrown into the game to make it easier for another player or myself. It's because I messed up or they're better. It's, it's very cut and dry. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, I can't count the number of times in more more like modern sensibility type games where I felt like an <laughs> I was the victim of an unfair outcome. Of course, sometimes this happens because I don't know the game well enough or because I'm not being honest with myself. But talking about like ultimate abilities in Overwatch is a great example of something where it's like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do about that? I lost because of I because someone pressed a button. I think I was talking to Taylor a couple weeks ago and he said, press Q to win. Which it seems like, in a lot of ways, the the blood of Quake uh, is really kind of against that idea. Yeah, strongly. I would say very, very strongly. If you go back and you look at the old school Quakes, they are very not about that at all. They're very, if you want to be better, you're going to have to put some time in and get better. And if you don't want to, I mean, you don't have to. It's up to you. But if you do want to get good, it's there. You just, it's up to you. And when it comes to the landscape of competitive shooters... I mean, there are things like the Fortnites out there. We talked about Counter-Strike a little bit. But I think Quake still really stands alone in some ways as one of the only what people call arena shooters that are around. How important is it for arena shooters that Quake be successful? Or maybe tell me a little bit about the general arena shooter landscape. Um, is it always going to be Quake? Or is there going to be something that takes over from it? Or are arena shooters on, kind of on their last legs? What do you think? Um, I think Quake will always be around to some extent. It is such a, a story franchise. It's been around since the very beginning of PC gaming. You know, it's, it's one of the greats. I think Quake will always be around to some degree. I mean, there are players in all Quakes, you know, that still play. There are still Quake uh -huh. 1 TDM tournaments. There's still Quake 2 dueling. There's still Quake 3, all kinds. I mean, there's, there's people that play... Um, not even the latest version. They play 1.16 Quake 3 Arena still. Like there's, there's still Quake 4 players. So to some extent, Quake will always be around. Do I think that something could overthrow it? Um, yeah, if it's well made, and it's well presented, and it's thought through. I think definitely a game could come into the arena world and definitely kind of share a place with Quake as kind of a known. You know, like this is a great arena FPS. Um, I wouldn't say Arena FPS are on their last leg anymore. I think the same niche audience has been into Arena FPS. will continue playing it for some time. Um, it's very hard for Arena FPS games to get players to stay because for people like we were mentioning earlier about how it's very taxing mechanically to play uh, without having a large enough player pool, it always reduces down to that niche because those are the players that love it and have already learned it. And like I said earlier about not being able to take away that skill from you, once you have that muscle memory and you put in that time, you don't want to quit doing it because you put time into it. So that niche will always be there. And it will attract some new players over the years, as it always has. I'm a relatively newer Quake player. Um, and there's a lot of people like me who either started out, you know, like 10 years ago and are, you know, within the last couple of years getting reasonably good. Um, but there's also a lot of people that are have known what Quake is, you know, and there's tons of Counter-Strike players who know exactly what Quake is and they don't play it because it's not their type of game. But there's, there's, I feel like there's a lot more interest 
than there is players. And the other strange thing about arena FPS is, um, for as low as like Quake Champions player count is, there are a lot of people that like to watch Quake. So yes, you know, I'm one, one of them. Yeah. So one one the big names are streaming Quake. You know, they'll have they'll have like half of the current player base just in viewers, and it's you know, it, so the proportion there is a little is a little off. So I think if something came along that was just appealing enough for somebody casual to play it casually, but also still maintaining that dedicated competitive environment, I think it could bridge that gap. But it would have to be done and presented in a way like it, it would have to be done phenomenally. The biggest problem with arena FPS games is because there seems to be no real market appeal to it. People don't put a lot of money into it. So a lot of these games come out and they're just halfway done. Right. You know, their their Reflex Arena is a great game, but the way that it was, you know, it just didn't have enough money behind it. That game so looked really what, cool on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it, and it, it is. It's a really cool game, but it just it didn't have enough behind it to. It didn't have proper matchmaking. It didn't have um, any real like tutorials. It didn't have any social media or social presence. So it was hard to link up with your friends and play that way. So a lot of the the aspects that a casual player expects from a game in 2020 weren't there, and as a result, it didn't retain anybody other than the hardcore community who was going to play it anyway. So interesting. Do you think that there's a place for arena shooters to be more of a more of a niche? I mean, I look at something like 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 an arena shooter, and I think of it almost a little bit like it's almost like a digital martial art, isn't it? In a, in a way, yeah. You have to be good at. Um, a significant number of skills. I mean, that's true of any game, I feel. But with arena shooters, the biggest thing that really, really separates it, because any FPS, the top FPS players in any FPS are going to have good aim. The aiming right. part actually is probably one of the easier things of arena FPS. The thing that really separates it from other games is the movement, the strafe jumping, the bunny hopping, how quick people move and how difficult it is to be accurate with that movement is something that a lot of players who don't, who haven't played these kind of games struggle with immensely because there's nothing else like it. Um, a lot, a lot of the same way that, you know, as Fortnite, a Fortnite player, you can be a great shotgunner in Fortnite, but if you don't know how to build, you're going to get slaughtered by somebody who can. It's very specific to that game. Um, but because of something like building, which is if you watch people who are really good at in Fortnite, it is of something pretty hard to be good at, very mechanically demanding. So there's definitely an audience out there that would have no problem being introduced to advanced movement and would, you know, relish in getting good at it. The problem with arena FPS is there's no tutorial. There's no, there's no, you get thrown in and you, you get slaughtered and you're either going to learn and move on or you're just going to quit. So, yeah. um, I gotta say, like, I'm imagining a quake like product that treats a new player like me, like who knows how to play shooters, I have some shooting ability, and approaches me, and rather than saying, jump into quick play and unlock some skins, which is kind of the way it presents itself now, instead of that, it says, this game is hard, man. You want to win in this game? You come here to fucking work. You're going to have to put in the time, you're going to have to practice. Treat this like your dojo, right? Again, that martial arts metaphor. Right, right. And I I think that kind of message would resonate with a lot of people, if there was an arena shooter like Quake that was good at delivering it, and it was good at helping you understand, oh, 
I have to review my demos. Like, what if there was a reward that the game gave you to say, record your first demo, look at your first demo, figure out what you need to do differently. Like, it kind of brought players along the path of what they need to do to treat the game more seriously and reap the rewards that they can get from treating it more seriously. Yeah, that would be, that would be, I mean, that's the goal to hit it right there. I've always, um, in the back of my head, obviously not a game developer, but if I was, um, I would, I, I would love to see a game, a single player game, like, uh, like a modern, call it, call it Quake 5. Quake 5 comes out. Okay. And if Quake 5 had a single player campaign, you know, that slowly introduces you, you start out, you can only walk and then you get to a part of the game where you get the ability to strafe jump. And, it, you know, it's like, okay, here's how you strafe jump now. You've unlocked this. And, you know, and then the level design incorporates strafe jumping into it. So that by the end of the single-player campaign, you've done, you've done all these advanced arena FPS things. Like, okay, surprise, you are now a relatively versed quick player. Here's multiplayer. Now you have an idea of how to play this game. You have. You get to realize how bad you actually are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sort of, yeah. But at least, at least you go in knowing what to do, yeah. and, uh, and then you can understand. You know, these people know what to do, and they're better at it. And that's but, legit. Uh, a basic yeah, so. skills orientation, disguised as like Doom, like like a Doom style campaign. Have you played yes, the new Doom yes. games at all? I have played Doom 2016. I think it's phenomenal. Oh, I'm man. very, very excited for Doom Eternal. Yeah, Me too, it's dude. gonna be. That's it, it looks super good. Yeah, it looks phenomenal. Yeah, I watched. Um, one of my favorite things about Doom is the guy who who runs the development. Uh, who's the? I think he's the game design lead. I'm not sure what his exact title is. Hugo. Um, Hugo Martin. Yes. Is his name. Yes. Yep. Yep. You know, like you ever have a person who like the best? I think. TV chef personalities are people who can talk about food in a way that makes your mouth water. You know what I mean? Like I do. Yes. Just talk yes. about it, it's like, oh shit, I need to have something. I need to eat that. I need to, and it makes you hungry. It makes you want to go eat. When I hear Hugo Martin talk about Doom, it makes me feel like that about slaying. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just his, like, oh, give me a powerful. demon. <laughs> like, he's really fun to watch, and I. No, hearing someone like that and knowing that person is in charge of a game like that gives me a lot of confidence in the product. Um, but yeah, having that or something like it or something even smaller would be fine as a skills test. And then once you jump into multiplayer, there's a certain mentality that it takes to get the most out of a competitive skills-based experience that I don't think you get to know unless someone really sits down and tells you. I remember, like for me, um, my... Basically, all of my competitive shooter experience comes from playing Team Fortress Classic, right? Team-based, capture the flag. There's definitely pressure on you to be a good player, to hold your own. But back in the day when I was playing and you were playing on a nine-person team, team play um, was really important. And you can get by if you were a good team player, even if you weren't the most skilled individual. So... That's what I did, basically. <laughs> I ran a clan, so I didn't have to be good at the game. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I got to a point where I realized, oh, shit, I don't know how to bunny hop. Which, if you know Team Fortress Classic, is a super important skill to have. Basic competence to be in the competitive scene. And I realized I was behind the curve with a lot of people that I played with and against. And I sat down and got found someone. I, I found my, um, my sensei. Uh, uh, Kelly, aka Dose Pack, who I talked to last week, and he brought me to the dojo and is like, "Here's how you bunny hop." And I failed a lot, and I figured it out, and eventually I progressed. But even beyond that, there's an attitude of being 
critical of your own performance and finding ways to iterate on it meaningfully. I once heard a, um, a person who played a competitive game, and I can't remember who it was, talk about the difference between someone who plays a game casually versus someone who plays it competitively. And the key distinction that he outlined is if you play a game competitively, you have to play it thoughtfully. Whenever you're sitting down to play, you're working on improving something. You're picking one or two things to focus on. And when you finish, you have the discipline to evaluate your play and be honest with yourself about how it went and what might need to change to improve. Yeah, 100%. There's, I mean, to a T. Do you use that kind of approach in your own competitive quaking? Uh, yes, definitely. When I first started playing, um, I was less thoughtful so much as... So when I was younger, as a younger man... I just wanted to brute force it, you know, I was just like, I'll just out-aim you or I'll outrun you, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I just wanted to be mechanically better. But I hit a point, so I had, um, there was a tournament organizer who organized a show match with me and um, an upcoming player from the Quake Lab community named Zorak Ward. And this was 2015, beginning of 2015. And I had been playing quite a bit. I had been trying very hard. Um at the end of 2014, I had a couple tournaments that I made semifinal runs in, and I would eventually lose to Rafa, who is the best North American Quake, pl- live Quake yeah, player. He's the most recognized Quake personality anywhere right now. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, So he's he's the guy. I lost to Rafa. So was I upset that I lost? Yeah, but I mean, it was to Rafa, so I'm not going yeah. to beat myself up super bad. But, you know, I was, they were close games. I took a map off of them in, a, in the best of three semifinal that I lost to in the last tournament. So I was feeling very good. I felt like I was a tip-top North American Quake player. I felt strong about my game. So um, I had a little bit of talk around me because I did take a map off Rafa and I had been playing well. So this tournament organizer organizes a show match between me and this upcoming player, Zorak War. So the pressure's on me, you know. I'm the established name. Yeah. Zorak War had a style that completely countered me. I was not a very timing-based player, and he was an incredibly timing-based player. And I lost every single one of those matches. Every single it was a seven-map series. I lost every single map. Oh, brutal! Uh, yeah, heartbroken. I was timing-based, meaning like what item control? Yeah. So Zorak War basically took timing to an extreme. He would time every single armor on that map. Four armors, didn't care. He'd time all four and time the mega. Time him to a T. Time him perfectly. He practiced it really, really well. So he hard. just out armed really, really you the whole way through. Yeah, he, he outstacked me. So my my playstyle is very ambushy. I'm a very hit and run kind of I like to rock and rail, you know, I like to ambush people. I like to guerrilla warfare. That's kind of how sure. I like to think of how I and he just straight up, you know, he just had he just had more stack and you can't you know, you can't play guerrilla warfare against a guy who's got everything resource imaginable to fight you with and so i had to sit back and re-watch those games and realize that if i wanted to continue being a competitive quake player at the level that i thought that i was at i was going to have to dramatically dramatically alter my game so i went from being a very not timing based player to a very timing based player i would sit and practice in my off time i made flashcards that had you know one number so i memorized all the times for the items Huh. by practicing these flashcards and um and that's how i improved again i was i like was it a you know the thing that sucks about getting really good at something is once you get to a certain level you kind of plateau and 
even if you change your game style and you're trying to improve, it feels so small once you hit that really, you really plateau out. Sure. It feels so incremental and it feels, it's very hard to get, you know, it's not like the big leaps and bounds. Like, okay, I used to lose this guy all the time. Now I beat him all the time. No, now it's, you know, you trade more. The games are closer. You know, it's, it's very hard. You have to, to find the us. smaller wins. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, but definitely, definitely, I agree with that statement that um, if you're going to play something competitively, you absolutely are putting thought into it and you're being very disciplined about it. Because if you're not, A, you're not going to be any good. So you're just going to get mad when you try to compete and B, you're eventually going to just drop off and lose interest. Because if you're competing without putting your full heart into it, you're, you're really just selling yourself short. So yeah, wasting your time. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, that's quite the, quite the thing, man. Um, earlier on, when you were talking about how you got into Quake, you alluded to uh, your days of playing Team Fortress Classic. And you got to experience this lovely game, this lovely Half-Life 1 mod based on Capture the Flag, which was one of the first games in anywhere to have class-based gameplay. Um, you were talking about how you got involved at a time where this, the competitive scene for that game had really changed from what it once had been. What it once had been being essentially the era of nine versus nine clans, which is what I got to play. Uh, really up through probably like 2006, 2007. Um, when did you get involved with Team Fortress Classic Latin? How had it changed by the time you had? Um, so I started um, first playing CMC, uh, like the very tail end of 2006, I first started uh-huh. like, pubbing. And then I wasn't really introduced to any competitive aspects until the first couple months of 2007, when during one of my, you know, I got home from school one day, and I uh, I hop on the pub and someone's like, hey, come play on this, um, this Odin's Graveyard server. Come play oh, on. yeah. Yeah, so I hop on to Odin's and I go on blue team and I pick soldier because I wanted to play defense. I love defense. And they're like, no, 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 no. This is this is Odin's crew. We're doing the O versus D. If you're going to be blue, you're going to play offense. I was like, okay, well, can I go red? Well, no, you're going to make the team uneven. So I had to play medic and I was like, okay, you know, I was a terrible, you know, I'm very young and not very good. <laughs> so all of a sudden I'm playing med and I'm getting comps all the time. I can't hit anything. I'm flying everywhere. I'm useless. But it was, it was, it was structured and it was organized. And even though I was terrible at it, I could see that like, okay, this, this is kind of cool. Like there's this, this structured form of play, um, a made me realize that I was pretty bad at TFC. I thought I was pretty good from all my days on two Fort bunny hop soldier only servers. I was like, yeah, I'm a great player. (laughs) No, actually no. Um, but uh, it was really cool. So I kept going to Odin's and I got a little bit better and a little, you know, more versed in the uh, structured gameplay and then somebody told me about this magical thing called irc and they told me to join tfc.gather.us and play in there and Uh i got a taste of the 4v4 life and i really 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 enjoyed it and so that was always my uh my come home from school and then later on get home from work and play some tfc relax wind down you know yeah tfc is so fun it it really is about it is I got to actually jump back in with you guys. Um, so you're you're part of the uh, the self in t- the self titled in house crowd. You guys still do <laughs> in 2020 TFC pickups, and you guys still use IRC, which is Internet Relay Chat, to organize, which is hilarious. <laughs> kind of, yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. And um, I jumped in with you guys a little bit last last summer just to 
remind myself and i was up i was amazed at how good and crisp and solid that game still felt to me despite having played any number of other games that triple a and otherwise over the last 15 years it still stands out as um just a really crisp solid shooter oh absolutely tfc the gold source engine is phenomenal it's one of the best engines honestly in my in my opinion ever um the hit scan or not the hit scan the net code that if you hit something in tfc it feels very honest it doesn't feel like well he warped or i lagged or whatever you know it feels if you get a hit in tfc it, it feels good whether it's a shotgun or a rocket or a nade or an ac um it, yeah it's that that engine and the way that gameplay works in that engine it feels phenomenal and i to this day have yet to play a game that has felt as good. The only one that has come even close is Quake Live, but I would still put the edge to TFC in terms of feel. It is that the Gold Source engine is just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it feels real good. Um, so last week I had the chance to talk to to my buddy Kelly, who was one of the the early giants of Team Fortress Classic, and actually got to work a little bit on. Um, a hopeful follow-up to it called Fortress Forever. But one of the things that we we just kind of briefly talked about is how the scene had evolved. Because when um, in 2007, when Fortress Forever and then like a handful of days later, Team Fortress 2 came out, that kind of squashed whatever was left of the competitive clan scene for TFC, which put it into the state that you described of it being more offense versus defense based. So rather than having each team have offense and defense that crossed each other and potentially pot shot at each other, which led to so much awesome shit talking. Um, it was this more um, sparring based format. And one of the things that you said to me when we were talking about sitting down and talking was that you had some thoughts about what, about what we'd said about that scene and about uh, your experience with it. So I want to open the floodgates, man. Oh, uh, What's your perspective on um, the, the scene that exists today versus what might have existed before? And what, what do you love about what you do now? All right. All right. So, okay. So the old school way, your guys' way, um, like you said, very, very team play based. Um, um, an emphasis on being a good player, but uh, being a good team. Obviously, teams win. Players don't. Teams do. Right. Um, the TFC that I grew up in and played and fell in love with um had a lot less of that team play base, but um, I like it significantly more for the reason that A, you got to play both offense and defense, and it upped the mechanical requirements of being good at TFC, like tenfold in my opinion. You had to be an expert bunny hopper because you're playing offense too, so you cannot be slow no matter if you're playing D or O. You have to be quick. Yeah. Um, you have to be very knowledgeable about your con game because you're going to have to kill and playing offense. Everybody's aim improves because you spend so much time conked anyway. Um, and a conk, for those who don't know, is a concussion grenade. And the big thing about conk aim, I say conk aim like everybody knows what it is. Obviously, everybody <laughs> doesn't. Conk aim in Team Fortress Classic, if you throw a concussion grenade at someone or you concuss yourself with a concussion grenade, you, your, your screen goes in an, an eight, a figure eight. But it's an illusion, and if you know how it works, you can still maintain your aim even though your crosshair is going all over your screen. 
So um, a very important skill to have, especially as like a heavy weapons player or a soldier player on defense, because you will get concussed a lot as a way to get by you and get to that flag, the ever important flag. But um, anyways, the thing about TFC that I, my TFC, I'll call it my TFC, is the mechanical requirements shot through the roof, which was phenomenal because it's, even though it's not Quake, I was being competitive in Quake and by playing TFC, my mechanics were improving no matter what game I was playing. So it's mm -hmm. not like I was playing TFC and all I'm going to get worse at Quake as a result. No, they, they, they went in tandem. So There's everything was getting there. Yeah. Right, exactly. A lot of crossover. So it never felt like it was a waste of my time to play TFC. So the uh, the lack of emphasis on teamwork was kind of disheartening because I really do I really do love you know a team versus team match is a really cool experience and it's cool to be on a team and be able to talk about like okay well this didn't work and that did work so um, not having that community aspect kind of sucked but having the emphasis be on you more as a player was good for me to build my psyche to get into dueling and quake. I can so, see that, yeah. That's a total yeah. synergy there for you. Very, very much so. And um, and I honestly, the, the mechanical difficulties of games is really why I like to play what I do play, which are these very niche, difficult games. And the fact that TFC, like, at first I kind of lamented never, you know, I never got to fight in, uh, in a title match. I never got to defend the title. I never got to go from bronze to silver to gold to platinum and that kind of stuff, but I could still measure my improvement as a player. And so over the years, I got I got pretty good at TFC, and it was a really nice feeling. And I didn't get to measure it in, um, you know, I was a platinum title holder for a while, but I was able to measure it in just my own personal ability, which was a reward enough for me, honestly. The game was fun enough that just knowing that I was improving was good enough. I didn't need the world to know. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so definitely very different from what I experienced. Pretty much for me, I, th I think actually in terms of temperament, I'm actually a little more inclined towards cooperative type games than competitive ones. It just kind of happened for me that one one year, my <laughs> one year for Christmas, I got graced with Half Life, Quake Three, and Unreal Tournament all for Christmas. <laughs> and so I was you're, doomed you're to be shooting, a shooter yeah. player at that point. Like, <laughs> what else was I supposed to do? <laughs> ended up being team fortress classic that i latched on to and um although i really cared about being good um for me before very long my clan became the whole reason to play and making a home for anyone who wanted it there um to the extent that a lot of those people still come together and chat today we have our discord server which is made such a cool place for even you and I to reconnect. Um, I don't know if we would ever have talked again. Actually, did, did we know each other? I guess not back in the day. It seems like you're someone what? that I would have known for some reason. But I don't know if I actually did. No, I don't think because by the time I got into it, you had moved on to other things because, like you said, you were, you were there for the clan aspect, not so yeah. much the the 4v4 so i don't ever recall playing with or against you until um i was invited to the discord you're speaking of by um god who was it bad luck i'm pretty sure it must be bad because you guys were playing yeah you guys were playing quake and bad luck bad luck knew me not because he played 4v4s but because in 2010 or so um the tfc player ultima who i know you know wanted to do this big huge um 
kind of like a video kind of up the history of TFC, basically the competitive really? history of TFC, I should say. Yeah. So she signed up me and Gogeta and uh, bad luck to do this, you know, help. We, we went through the old one patches. We pulled videos from there. We had the CPL demos. Wow. Oh, those are so fun to watch. Um, but yeah, we, we went through and we tried to make this video and so we sent this hard drive around to everybody to get all this stuff from them, and the hard drive got lost. So all of our work is just gone. Oh, shit. Together. Yeah, very unfortunate. But that's, I think, where I was introduced to Bad Luck. And he okay. knows, and he knew that I played Quake and stuff. So I'm imagining that when you guys were in here, you guys were jamming some Quake champions. I'm pretty sure it was Bad Luck who gave me that invite. That sounds right. Yeah, and you came in and schooled us all, and we are like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, so, surprise. We're not, I, I, I love we Quake, suck at guys. Video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's always really fun really funny in the situations where you play with or against someone who's just like you know a dedicated player in a game and it's like oh okay like so them versus all of us and they would still win <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh the time put in is definitely but yeah that that highlights the how important the skill component is like you can't you can't out cheese someone just being good at the game which is what's so cool about quake Right, yeah, absolutely, um, yes. What do you think about this whole coming back together of the old fortress communities? Like the Catacombs Discord, that when that came, when that when I found out about that, I think it was Bad Luck who messaged me on Facebook. He's like, "Hey, check this out," and I was like, "Oh, okay, this we'll see what this is." I had no idea it was going to be what it became, which is a place where hundreds of people who used to essentially talk shit at each other over video games in the era of dial-up internet are all now hanging out together as adults. What a weird phenomenon. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's definitely strange. I think it speaks to the long levity of, uh, the longevity of, uh, team fortress though is, is, um, the game had a phenomenal community, you know, everything that was great about TFC came from the community. Valve basically abandoned us in what, 2001, 2002. They just yeah. quit updating the game. Like you're done. Like okay, we don't care anymore. You guys are doing this crazy bunny hop thing. We don't want. We don't want it in our games. So <laughs> Stop just do doing that. Thing. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna go make TF2. It's gonna be a complete reverse of this game. Like we're not gonna let you do any of this stuff. Did you play any um, TF2? Um, I dabbled in it when it very first came out, and all the TFCers, you know, TDA was in there. Um, misdirected. Uh, or no, Mortal Wound, not Misdirected Hostility, uh -huh. Mortality. They were playing. TDA was playing. So I followed the TFC players. You know, Reptile became a big name in that. Dummy became yeah. a big name in that. Um, I followed them, and I, I, I messed around in it, but it was very early on into my gaming life i guess you could say sure and i was i was still very much about the bunny hopping and the straight jumping all the things that made tfc and quake what they were i that's what i wanted tf2 felt like too much of a departure that's what i felt too i just couldn't stand it i know there are a lot of tf tfc players like you mentioned reptile who made the switch and who found something in tf2 to latch on to but man i just it's like too many things too many of the things that i loved about the game they just completely left on the ground yeah, yeah, or removed or nerfed into the ground so hard that it's like, like it's not even the same, and it wasn't. It's still a cool game. I've watched some high level TF2, and I can I understand like why people do like it. It is a good game. It's just not a yeah, yeah, and it's been around forever, and it I think is the game that really started popularizing the idea of a free to play microtransactions, which is it quite is a legacy. Yeah, it's definitely the first of its kind there. It was also the game that, you know, if there was no TF2, there wouldn't be an Overwatch. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. And all those, you know, paladins, all that stuff, all that team-based, class-based stuff. You know, TFC was one of the first ones. Quake World TF was one of the first ones. But TF2 really popularized it among the generation of kids nowadays. You know, well, I guess maybe the generation before. But anyways, of these younger kids who are really into that kind of game. And that TF2 was most of their, you know, most of these guys' first introduction. There's so many Overwatch players that were TF2 players. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of obvious spiritual connective tissue there absolutely yeah do you ever get into overwatch at all as a competitive game um no uh a lot of the quake pro so quake live kind of started dying out there wasn't a whole lot of tournaments being hosted for it and um so a lot of the quake pros swapped over to overwatch when it came out you know and um rafa and uh the hang were on team liquid those are the top two na players um Cooler is the top Russian Quake player. He was on a couple of different Overwatch teams, same with Cypher. Um, and they all, they all swapped it, and I understood why they did it. You know, they're really good gamers. They can make some money playing a game. I would do it too if I was in their shoes, but I was not in that position, and I wasn't going to sacrifice my free time to play a game that I might not enjoy. Um, right. The biggest thing about being a competitor for me is it's not a full-time thing, you know, like life happens and life is here. So it's something I do in my free time. So I like to compete in games that I very, very much enjoy. And the couple of times I did play Overwatch, like I can see how it would be fun. Like, you know, you get a five man group of your friends, you just go in and have yourself a good time. I can see that. But as a game to compete in, it, it was a lot like TF2, too much of a departure of from the things that I enjoy about yeah. competing. Yeah, as long as you're doing it in your your down in your spare time, you might as well focus on something you're gonna like playing as well as be good at. If you had Absolutely. the opportunity, would you jump into a pro gaming lifestyle where that was how you made your your bacon? If it was an opportunity that was presented to me, absolutely, yes. Absolutely. I love to game. I love to stream. I love to review my gameplay. Um, it's kind of something like, you know, I probably would have been super into sports, but I was not, I have a bleeding disorder, so I wasn't, you know, my parents instilled on me, you know, if you get, take a basketball to your face, you're probably going to have to go to the hospital, so how about you don't Shit. play sports? Right, yeah. so I was like, okay. Smart. Yeah, so my, my, but I'm a very competitive person, so I had to get that itch out somewhere. Yeah. And it just, it turned out to be video games, so. Would you say the gaming, be, sorry, go ahead. No, if I could be a pro gamer, I would absolutely be a pro gamer. So would you say that gaming's been like healthy for you? Like this kind of opportunity to channel this competitive spirit you have? Um, I would say so, yeah. I would definitely. Um, there was a time there after I lost that show match that I really questioned, like, you know, I'm putting a lot of time into something, you know, that's really like, it's, I mean, I do it in my free time. It's not like I'm unemployed, but at the same time, it's like, you know, maybe kind of time to move on to other things. But um, gaming for me has been a lot of like, you know, especially competing in it it's a way to kind of keep yourself level-headed about things and not get you know don't make any mistakes don't do anything crazy you know um if you if you're uh it's just it's been a way for me to have a hobby that has been engaging enough to make sure that at almost 30 years old i still have a very clean slate and if i want to do something with my life i can you know i don't i don't have any kids or anything i don't have any major i don't have a mortgage or nothing like i'm a very free kind of spirited person in that way so it's definitely kept me from uh i guess making life-changing decisions so it's good clean fun is that what you're saying yeah that's what i'm saying it's good clean fun it doesn't really cost me much of anything so there you go parents 
there you go. See, you want your you want your kid to stay off drugs? Just have him play games. Yeah, for real. It's interesting to talk about the way that games are perceived, especially by older generations. I don't know how it was for you, but I remember I really grew up with with this kind of voice in my in my ear from parents and that whole generation that uh, with the idea that gaming was basically something that I would grow out of. And if I didn't, it meant that maybe there was something kind of wrong with me. And it's, I think, taken until my 30s for me to finally sit and look at that at that idea and say, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. this is important to me. It's, it's worth pursuing because it's important. And that's actually why I'm sitting down and having these conversations. There's something there that that is important for me to unlock. Um, how old are you getting to be these days, man? I turned 29 this year. Okay, okay. So, still pretty young. Yeah, still pretty young. Like I said, open doors in front of me. I don't, I don't have any. Um, I haven't gone to college, but at the same time, I haven't been unemployed. So, um, you know, I have my own. I live uh, with a roommate. I've got a place of my own. So I've grown up in a lot of ways. Um, but I still have, when it's time to do that, I still have that opportunity. Um, sure. Gaming, gaming and competing in my free time was enough of a drive for me to not commit to something super, um, super life altering at a young age, just because, you know, if I wanted to be able to add a drop of a hat, you know, like, hey, maybe I qualify for it. I am kind of beat saying I have to go. But I've got this young child who I am taking care of, who is my son or daughter. And, you know, now I got to find somebody to watch them for a couple of days while I'm gone or a week or whatever, like. So that was that was enough of a drive for me to not commit to anything like that because I wanted to have that freedom to do, which I guess you could say is selfish, but at the same time, it's you know, that sounds selfish. self-aware, man. Yeah, and th- and that's really that's really what it is, and that's the, that's the biggest thing about gaming that has really helped me, and you know, a big reason that it's still part of my life. And like you said, fuck you to growing out of this. I'm never going to grow out of this. Like this is a big part of who I am. Um, but at the same time, I didn't quite have that voice in my head when I was younger because uh, the whole reason I even got into TFC is because my parents played. And um, really? my, uh, yeah. So I didn't my dad know this. Was, yeah. So my parents played, they played like in clans, like they were competitive. They were not high level clanners, but they were clanners. What clans? Um, they, for a long, long time, they ran their own clan called Parade of Losers. Um, they were bronze, I think. Okay. And then P-O-L? after that folded. Yeah, P-O-L, yep. Okay. And then after that folded, they um they joined up with um ED Elemental Dragons. That's what it oh, is. Oh yeah, I remember ED. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like I said, not high level clanners, but you know they that's what they did in their free time. They get home. It doesn't matter what say, level hey, you're at. The scene is the scene. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and it's um, but I just remember I was I think 13, and I I'm walking by and they're playing games. You know, I grew up playing games. I had Super Nintendo, PS2, all that stuff. So that's I cool. we I come from a gamer household. Yeah. Yeah, that's so very different to me. That's a cool perspective. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So it's I never I never had the you know we're gonna grow out of it. You know they don't play anymore, but now they're they're getting older and their their interests have changed. You know they still enjoy games. You know they still have uh, a Switch in the house that um they'll play when like my nephews and stuff come sure. up to visit for Christmas or whatever. But um. But yeah, it's it's. I never had the um, the negative side, I guess, of gaming. I never heard, you know, why you're wasting your time playing those games. It was always like, hey, you're playing games at 15. You're not, you know, out getting shit faced in a field or something. So. Sure, sure. 
Yeah, here's to gaming instead of getting shit getting shit paced in the field. I'll drink to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now that we're you know in almost our thirties, like yeah, I'll have a drink to that <laughs> while we talk yeah. about games. For sure, for sure, man. Well, one of the things that um that you also mentioned to me is, and maybe it's something we already talked about. I'm not sure. Is you mentioned that something really cool went down for you at QuakeCon 2016. Have you gone over that at all yet? No, we have not got to talk about QuakeCon 2016. Tell me about that experience, um, man. QuakeCon 2016 was my first um, international LAN event. So I've done a couple of local LANs around here with some friends, you know, that were just for fun. We would play games more that they were interested in, not that I was interested. Because, you know, you play with people who've never played Quake before, and I'm over here like some try-hard, sweaty nerd. <laughs> they're they're not going to have a good time. So, but QuakeCon, I traveled to QuakeCon 2016 because... It, Quake Live had been out for quite some time, and I kind of had this feeling. I was like, I don't feel like there's going to be a whole lot more Quake Live tournaments. I've never played a LAN tournament. I really want to play Quake on LAN. I really want to kind of see where I'm at. So I went to QuakeCon 2016, and um, I met a ton of really cool people. I met Rafa. I met the Hang, Saigib. Um, I went with actually a fellow TFC player named Gogeta. Um, uh-huh. who you may or may not remember from MLC, Murder Ball Owning Crew. Yep. Um, but I met all these Quake players that I had been playing against for years, you know, and I had always been relatively unknown because I never showed up to land, you know. I was just like, Davis is good, but he only plays online. So, like, who, who is this guy? Yeah. So I got to show up. I got to kind of be like, hey, I am a genuine member of the community. Like, hello. Um, <laughs> I got to – the other cool thing about QuakeCon 2016 is it was the 20-year anniversary of Quake 1. So there were all these crazy Scandinavian players that flew over to play in the Quake World tournament, and they, it was so great to watch Quake One on land because I've always had um, a love for Quake One. I think it's the most genuine Quake. Like honestly, it is so it punishing. is so fast. Even it is so fast. Yes, wow. even compared to other Quakes, it is it's unreal fast. You have to be so good. And like, and you got, you know, the best of the best came over. Milton was there. Rick Hole was there. Uh, BPS, uh, Loctar. There are all these crazy Scandinavians that came over. Because Scandinavia, for whatever reason, loves Quake One. They, they still play up there. Huh. So um, I got to see that. Um, I got to meet all the Quake Live duelers that I had playing with and against for years. And then I got to play in an actual genuine land tournament. Um, and I got to, I really got to test my metal. I really got to, um, QuakeCon 2016 was huge for me as a player in terms of understanding where I was at psycholo- like psychologically because um, I, I made it to the quarterfinals of the upper bracket and then I got matched up against Kilsen. And Kilsen is a German pro. I knew First Kilsen name. was, yeah, Kilsen, amazing player. He, um, he won QuakeCon 2019. So... I got to uh, play Kilson, and, you know, I'm nervous. My heart's racing. The funny thing about this match was Kilson had chosen the seat right next to mine. So this oh, German no. pro is sitting right fucking next to me. So I've got to, like, keep my cool and, like, you know, i got to play my best game. But, like, fuck, dude, this is Kilson. Like, this is Kilson on That's land right shit. next to me. Damn. Yeah, yeah. So um, he, he knocked me out of the winner's bracket. But I, um, I had a really close game on a map called Furious Heights, which is my favorite Quake map ever. I love that map. Um, and it was a game I could have won, and it was me that messed it up. It was me. I oh, outplayed man. me. 
Right, right. So he he beat me very comfortably on the other two. It was the best of three, and the other two maps, one of them was hectic, and it was he just slaughtered. It was not even close. <laughs> but T seven T seven Furious Heights was very very close, and I like oh, and like I knew it too. So as soon as the best of three was done, I you know I shook his hand. I was like, good game, man. And I had to go outside. I just had to take a couple minutes and like calm myself down i was so upset at myself i was like how like dude this was like a moment for you to shine and feel good about all these years you've been playing this game and you fucked it up man so i got put into the lower bracket and i had to kind of mentally stabilize myself out and you know keep playing and i eventually what do you do to up... mentally stabilize in a moment like that um my thing is uh i have to move i have to walk or something i have uh -huh. to go my I, I go outside and i walk i just get some air get some sun and just Breathe it out, man. Just breathe it out. I can't sit still when I'm upset or I need yeah. to relax. I, I have to move. So that was my thing. I, I took a lot of walks that tournament. Um, it keeps but, your cardio uh, in good I, shape. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love <laughs> to walk. So, um, But I come back in. I sit down. I get ready for my lower bracket smash. I fly through the lower bracket until I meet Kama, who is an Australian player. He's the brother of a player named Phrase, and the pair of them are probably the best Quake 3 related to well dandy king dandy those three are the probably the best three australian players but camera and i had a really really close set of games really like it could i could have beat him you know just a little off just a little bit better than me and he ended up taking the series but i did take furious heights from him i you know i had, I had, to, I had to prove i had to prove to myself i was like i like he took the first map and i was like okay no no, no i took the first map he took the next two and the first map was furious heights and i was like okay like i'm not losing this is my map like yeah if i'm not gonna make top eight i'm at least gonna prove to myself that on t7 i'm a fucking monster that's right and love it and <laughs> we had it was actually really close we traded a lot um it's probably one of my favorite games I've ever played. I've watched the demo a couple of times. I hit some insane rail shots oh, man. to make that game work. Yeah. And I ended up taking it from him nine to six. Do you have that in a place um, where I can see it? I would love to watch uh, it. Yeah. It's on, I think I linked it to you actually. Oh, is that one of the ones you linked? Okay. Yeah. Yep. It would be the first one. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to watch it again because knowing the context about how you were going into that and you're coming off the loss from Kilson and just like kind of blowing off some steam outside, like that kind of narrative around watching that makes it so much more interesting to watch. I feel like as oh, a absolutely. Yeah. 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 I wish like there's a, like the thing about arena and, and this kind of off topic from talking about QuakeCon 2016, but I really wish that there was more of an effort to kind of incorporate the storylines because a one V one, community you know if it's going to be dual it's going to be your esport mode you really have to show the spectators the personality of the players right. and that's why i think a player like cooler is really well known he's got a very distinct game style he's got a very distinct personality he's relatable it, it's it makes it you want to root for someone like cooler right. because of how he plays and how he presents himself and um that's something that um, if uh, an arena FPS was going to take off and be a big thing, it yeah. would be, it, they would definitely have to instill part of that in there. They've got to treat their competitors the same way like UFC treats its fighters. Exactly. Exactly like that. Yes. Oh, how interesting. Okay. So go on. Uh, how did you do? So Kama knocked me out of the tournament, but I had made a pretty deep run. I ended up placing just outside the top eight. If I would have beat Kama, and I would have beaten, I think I would have had to play two more matches. So I technically placed like 12th 
10 to 12, somewhere in there. But um, on the official, it was just 9 to 16. Like, they didn't care. Like, you didn't make top eight, screw you. <laughs> so, um, but I, like, I, I felt good about it because um, all the American players that I played, um, other than I didn't meet Rafa in the bracket, and he probably would have beat me, let's be real. Um, but the, of the American players I played, I played at about the same level I was online. And I, I felt like I had to prove that I wasn't just some, you know, like, you know, I didn't get a lot of cheating accusations, but they were, they got thrown out sometimes when I'd have a really good game or something like, Oh, Davis mm. turned it on. Like, so coming to land, I really just wanted to prove that, you know, did I think I was going to win? No, it's my first land ever of like, of a tournament of that size. Like, come on, mm. let's be realistic. But I wanted to prove that I was good, like to myself and to other people. And I definitely feel that I proved that because I took maps off of, I mean, this guy traveled from Australia to play this game. Like he clearly, you know, he's, he's in it to win it and he ended up placing top eight. So it's not, it's not the people that I lost to everybody I lost to in that tournament placed in the money. They placed top eight. They made it to the quarterfinals or the the top eight because it's a double limb. So it's not quarterfinals, but you know, you know what I'm saying? They made it, they made top eight. Yeah. Everybody that, everybody that I lost I did not lose to any schmucks at all. And that's, and that's, that's, I want, that's kind of where I was as a player. Was I quite pro? No, but was I just under them? Yes. And that's the level I showed. So, uh-huh. so that and was then I got to meet everybody. That was uh-huh. 2016. Yeah. And it was, it was a phenomenal top, top 10 life experience for me, probably for the rest of my life. That sounds amazing. And then how did you follow that up? Like what was, what, what, how did the story continue from there? Um, so, um, 2016, um, my suspicions were correct because in QuakeCon 2016, being a QuakeCon player, I got to play the alpha alpha of Quake Champions. Cool. And I was like, oh snap. Yeah. So we get, we go into this room with the id developer guys and, you know, Tim Willis is there and Adam Pyle's there and Marty Stratton's running around somewhere. I see him going between the doors. (laughs) So cool. Yeah, so like we're sitting there and I'm sitting here with, you know, there's Noctis, the Austrian, and there's the Russians are there because Saber Interactive was running for Quake Champions. So there's a bunch of people speaking Russian around me. I'm just like, okay, like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and they sit us down there. We're in these two like conference rooms. There's just two big tables pushed up together, you know, eight PCs in each room. And they're like, all right, you're going to try Quake Champions. Tell us what you think. And my initial hopes were very high as we start playing. Because it has straight jumping, you know, this is a 2017 game or 2016 game that has bunny hop, it has straight jumping, it's yeah. got rocket launchers, rails. Like I'm like, Quake. yeah, it feels like Quake. So I get super duper excited about it. I'm like, awesome, awesome. And then the beta comes out and they completely redid Duel. So Duel is this whole new round based thing that's not anywhere as fun. Um, it's very champion centric now. Very, right? yeah. It was, it was a very so like we were talking about earlier in the night with the whole Overwatch and the, the abilities, you know, press Q to win. It was Quake with a huge injection of that, and so it came out, and I'm, I'm gonna try to compete in it. So QuakeCon 2017, they hold qualifiers, and um, during one of those qualifying tournaments, I make it to the very last round. So it's the very last match of this tournament. And it's me and the Canadian player, Griffin, who is a known player. Very, very good. Definitely um, a level above me, I would say. He, uh, he he earned his place. He's a very good Canadian player. He took maps off Rafa. I don't think he's ever won an international land, but he was capable of it. 
So it's me and Griffin, and it's super late in the night. We've been playing this gosh darn game for hours. <laughs> and they're they're streaming all of it. They're casting all these matches. So they tell us to wait. So I wait for two and a half hours to play my last match, only to be told at the end of that two and a half hours that the casters are tired and they're going to go to bed. So you're you're not going to get streamed. So oh, you waited no. for nothing. Waited for nothing. Yeah. So I, I'm that a little upset. Terrible. And yeah, I didn't I didn't cool my head off. I ended up losing a really really close best of three versus Griffin. And I knew that if I had probably been more level-headed, I probably could have won it, and I would have qualified for the tournament, which would have, it was a land qualifier. So, like, if I would have beat Griffin, they're like, okay, we're going to fly you out to Dallas on our dime. We're going to put you up in the hotel on oh, our dime. Damn. You can play in the tournament. Right. That and stinks. I fucked it up. And that really kind of put the nail in the coffin as far as Quake Champions for me. I didn't really compete in it. I would play it just to play some Quake. But um, from 2017 until about june may june of last year i really didn't play a lot of quake uh wasn't really my thing i really enjoyed watching the pros play quake champions but the whole abilities and the round based duel it just it was not it was a game that was a lot of things that i loved about gaming but just wasn't and like i said i've never i'm not unemployed or anything so i just focused on work and i just i found other ways to fill my time i played a lot of tfc um for my gaming fix and then around june of or no may of last year they announced that um they were bringing back old school duel i was like oh shit so and that got my interest again even with all the ability bullshit you give me time on the hmm. duel and you know the quake movement i'm gonna play so i've been playing so what changed exactly for like to make me interested in quake champions again you described old school duel. That's not something that I'm I'm familiar with. So, um, so old school duel is just time limit duel. Um, okay. Time limit duel. You know, best of uh, old 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 Quake was twenty minute duels. And then they took it down to fifteen for Quake three, and then finally in Quake Live they put it at ten. And ten is by far the most popular among those spectators and gotcha. players. Whereas so, the old time... champion based format was based on you get a set number of lives. I think right. Yeah, yep. So you have three champions. Um, you All three champions die, you lose the round. Um, if the round timer runs out and you're down a champion, you lose the round. If everybody's champions are, or the champion lives are equal, you go into sudden death. Um, but the, the thing about round-based and the way that champions was originally set up as was the abilities were so overwhelmingly powerful. It became more of a so one guy would get a frag, and in a normal time limit duel, you would, okay, you get a frag, depending on your health, you can get some items you can work in, and you might have map control. If you get a really clean frag, you 100% have map control, and now it's your time to shine. Well, with the different stacks and the classes and the abilities of Quake Champions and the round-based duel, it wasn't so much about map control so much as it was, okay, well, he just killed me. I'm going to spawn as a brand new champion and my ability is going to be ready to roll. I'm just going to rush him. So it became this huge, sassy, um, very um, skirmishy, very skirmishy, not a lot of the map control and a lot of the old rules of duel that had been so ingrained in all of our heads. Yeah, kind of got it really watered down the traditional quake dueling formulas. Very, very, very watered down. Yes, like... Not quite a completely different game, but pretty damn. Huh. Yeah, so I get so, why you'd be excited to come back to the old school formula. Yeah, yeah. So, like, even with the abilities, so they nerfed all the abilities across the board in December of 2018 after years of just, you know, hearing 
players bitch about it. So they finally, you know, made the abilities kind of just an extra, an extra asset, you know, you can use it to play. And I actually really like Time Limit Duel and Quake Champions for that reason. There's a pick-ban system in place for tournaments that um, once a champion is picked or banned, it cannot be picked or banned again in that set. Uh -huh. So there's you have to have a pretty diverse pool of play styles to make all the champions kind of work. So you have to, you have to be you know you can't just be a, a visor wall hack superstar in every map because you're not going to get to play visor every map. So um, it it forces you to be knowledgeable about a lot of the mechanics you know that make up the game. So you have it, it's it's a different flavor of Quake, but it's definitively Quake to me. Like Quake Champions Time Limit Duel is definitely Quake to me. And there's people that would disagree. Like, well, it's still got abilities, blah blah blah. It does, but it's it's a different iteration. But it's still very Quake. Um, and so that's what brought me back into like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this on a regular basis and compete in whatever tournaments I can. So, and that's why here I am. I went to QuakeCon 2019 just as a spectator. I met up with a bunch of the in-house TFC guys and we just hung out. Uh, we yeah, I saw your guys' stream. Yeah, yeah. So we hung out, you know, got to meet each other. Um, I was I was stoked to meet TFC players because for as long as I played that game until 2019, I'd never met a single one of them. Huh. So, which I thought was weird, you know, like we've been literally playing games together for like 12 years. Like, <laughs> I, It's a surreal moment to meet someone you've known online for years. Yeah, it is. It's 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 like you put a face to the name, you know, and it's yeah, it's it's a whole another ball game. So we went as spectators last year, but next year we're going all out. We're going to QuakeCon again, but we're gonna get BYOC tickets, and we're gonna um, they're gonna build. Some of them are building like little mini builds. I'm probably just gonna rent a PC. Uh -huh. um, but we're going to BYOC. We're gonna do some TFC on land. We're gonna do some Quake on land. We're gonna oh, do man. whatever we want. Well, yeah, what we're, is that? we're going down the game. That is, oh, the end of July, I think. Let me Google it real quick. End of July. And it's in Texas, right? Yes, sir, in Dallas. Oh, man. I might have to figure out how to get down there for that. That sounds so dope. QuakeCon is, um, actually, it's in August. August 6th to August 9th, 2020. Okay. It's and... at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Convention Center. And it's, it says Grapevine, but it's, it's Dallas. Gotcha. And you're going down there with like what a handful of other in-house dudes? Uh yeah. So there's um me, there's gonna be um Tanuki, um Edward, there's uh -huh. gonna be Neon, which is Ian, and there's gonna be Hamster, who actually never told us his name. We called him Hamster the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, yeah. <laughs> just one of those things, that's just how it worked out. Hamster, grab me a beer. It's like okay. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that, that was the four of us that went this year, and we're all going to go back again. We're trying to get more people to come. We've got some tentative yeses. I know Doug from the Serial Killers is interested, but he's got uh -huh. a lot of work-related stuff going on. So Serial with a C, by the way. Yep, Serial to C, the Serial Killers, yep. Um, That's cool. But yeah, we, there's definitely some interest. We don't really have a whole lot of definitive answers yet because we haven't bought the BYOC tickets yet, and it's just it's kind of off in the future right now. What so do they run? It's being, BYOC tickets seventy five a pop, I think. Oh, okay. So it's mean travel and lodging. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the big thing. But um, we've already got the lodging figured out. Um, Nuki's already rented out a place. We've just you know we're, we just give it. He paid for it up front, and then we paid our share for him. Nice. Um, yeah, so um, the thing about the BYOC tickets, though, is you have to buy them very quick. QuakeCon is the biggest bring-your-own-computer land in North America. Tickets sell out very, very quickly. Really? So, yeah, so as when soon they as go they go on sale, on sale they, um, 
they will announce it. It's usually like March, okay. like April, March in there, somewhere in there. Okay. You're getting me all excited about this. So I'm going to have to. It's, it's really cool. And if, yeah. If you want to come down, man, even if it's just to come hang out, if you can't get your hands on a ticket or whatever the case may be. I feel like. Um, I think we're, we're trying to like buy the tickets in a group so that we can all sit. So we're not, you know, scattered throughout the whole. Because it's a big, huge convention. You know, oh, you have to auditorium. pick your location too. So yeah, right. since yep, we want to be yep. next to each other. Makes mm-hmm, sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll bug you about that as we get closer to the date. But it sounds like, I feel like you guys, like, okay, how, how big is the in-house community right now? Right now, it's, it's, it's pretty small. Um, it used to be significantly bigger about three to four years ago. But people, I mean, we're all just getting older, you know. Um, yeah. um, a lot of those guys have families now. They just don't have time to play anymore. Or, I mean, there are or thousands they do, reasons they to, yeah. Right, right. So um, right now, I'd say in-house probably has 10 to 15 active players. Oh, boy, that's right scary. Now. Yeah, it's it's the smallest it's ever been. I'm We've actually, guys. Um, I mean, there's the funny thing about in-house, though, is it's not the only pickup community in TFC right now. There's this collection of Europeans, South Americans, um, um, American players who aren't in in-house because in-house, um, it used to be very, very, very selective. Um, it wasn't so much based on skill as it was like, as you know, Team Fortress Classic had a very, for as great as the community was, there was a lot of members of the community that were um, toxic, for lack of a better word, uh-huh. very hostile. You know, that kind of attitude ran rampant in TFC for a lot of players. And in-house was kind of a way to separate from that sure. from the people from you know and that's why in-house was really comprised of a bunch of high skill clan, high level clanners is because they just wanted to play the game they love they didn't want to hop on and hear people you know saying obscene things sure. to say them so it was more for just having clean tfc in that regard um have you guys had anyone so, new come into the in-house community in recent years or is it only a one-way one-way door like new, new, like newer well, I mean, than me. Well, not necessarily new. I don't know. I'm just thinking like, you guys need like a like a, an injection. Like, um, I I keep thinking that maybe I'll I'll join you guys and start playing more regularly. Like, but I end up never doing it. Um, I, I can't help but thinking that if you guys had a Discord presence instead of being IRC focused, that maybe in house could be you know, have it be in a bigger house. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, we've had a lot of people drop in and out. Um, Red Knight played for about two weeks. Um, uh-huh. Harmony played for a couple months. The thing, the thing that's kind of surprising about In House, though, that and like it's it's really driven home to me how different the TFC I play is compared to the TFC that these people that drop in and out kind of play. Um, is they actually kind of struggle to um play the game with us. Um, we're all pretty mechanically versed, you know, we've been playing the same damn game for, for so long and, you know, they took years off, you know, it's, the muscle memory is yep. not quite there for them anymore. And I remember when I took my trip back. Right, right. And it's, and a lot of people kind of have this, um, I think it's twofold, uh, kind of a bruised ego, like, Hey, I used to be really good and now I'm not, but like, I still oh, think no. of myself as being really good. So, and then on top of that, like. They just, you know, they're older and maybe they just don't want to put the time into, you know, because a lot of people, they just need to play for a couple of weeks and kind of just get up to snuff and they would be fine. But um, in-house has a hard time retaining players just for that reason, honestly. It's it's, it's kind of a, 
Um, it's really hard for people who are out of the loop who used to have the skill but don't anymore it's just because it's been so long for them to kind of get back in that groove. They don't really want to. They've kind of moved on, so to speak. Sure. So in-house, like I said, we've had a lot of people over the years drop in and play for a day, a week, a couple months, and then but they eventually filter back out just because it's still hardcore TFC like it was back in the day, you know, Wheaties and um, – he nuki myself we all like we all play pretty hard we we play to win and it's it's kind of a shock to the system when you haven't had that for a while yeah. and then you go back to it you guys were not easy on me i remember that i specifically yeah, remember wheaties telling me to get out of his sight line because he couldn't see his pipes no don't shoot rockets <laughs> in my direction because i can't see <laughs> that's yeah Wheaties, Wheaties will play tfc until there is nobody left to play and he will play it as if every match is a title <laughs> well god bless him and god bless in-house yeah we're just we're just out here playing we're just i mean it's fun it's still fun to me to play in tfc but with how small the player base has gotten it it, it, it has become something that you know once or twice a week not like a nightly i can't do sure. it nightly. sure so besides uh, QuakeCon coming up, what's next for Dan Davis? Um, I'm very, very, very stoked about this game called Diabotical that's coming out. Um, it's being developed by a gentleman by the name of James Harding. He is known as Too Good in the professional esports world. He is mostly known for being a Dota 2 shoutcaster and being fired by Valve and Gabe Newell calling him an ass. But before <laughs> all of that happened, <laughs> he was a professional Quake player. That is where he got his start into that world. He was a pro Quake 4 player. I believe he was signed to Fnatic for a while, I think. I cannot quite remember. Um, but yeah, he was a pro Quake player. That's what he grew up playing. That was his eSport of choice. And he kind of transitioned over into shoutcasting. He's got a very like personal personality like he's very easy to talk to so he made a great community person uh. and he um he decided he wanted to make an arena fps game that was true to fps um in his words he said it was made for quake fans who have been left behind in the esport world because there is no real you know quake champions has a pro league and everything but it's not like you know quake champions isn't front page on twitch it's not among the number one watch games and his goal was to get it on that map Okay. So he started developing this game called, uh, it was called Reborn at the time, but for copyright issues, it got switched to Diabotical. And it's called Diabotical because it's a play on the word Diabolical. And it's called Diabotical because instead of having a human character, you play as these little egg bot robots. Okay. So Diabotical. Um, but it is essentially... Excellent. <laughs> very excellent. Um, it is essentially... Uh, it's... I'm not trying to be rude when I say this, but it's essentially a modernized Quake 3. But it's got all of the... So early on in this podcast, we were talking about um, customizability and just having a very free client, you know, and how old school games were good at that, new school games aren't. The big thing about Diabolical that makes me very hyped up for it is it's got backing from Epic, so it's going to have an eSports season. It's got one year at least of having tournaments. Okay, And I very, important. very much, yes, very important for the competitive side. But for the casual side, it has, it's got a built-in map maker. So they designed an engine for this game from the ground up. They built this engine on it. So they do not, they, it's not Unreal, it's not Source, it's not whatever engines are out there for sale. It is an engine they handcrafted themselves. 
So it's got a built-in map editor. It's got customizable skins. You can put different decals on the face of your um, egg bot. It's very casual friendly in that sense. Um, very customizable. You can make your own game modes. You can play the game how you want it, however you want it to be played. Uh, you can make your own. You can have your own dedicated server and change any amount of server variables like you could in TFC. You know, you want to play TFC with low gravity, you get your own server, and there you go. It has that kind of freedom to it. Um, while at the same time, um, another thing we talked about earlier was kind of gently introducing players to it. They've done a huge amount of work for like tutorials and understanding how things work. Like, okay, this is a rocket launcher. It shoots rockets. You want to use it in situations like this. This is, um, they call it the love gun, but it's the lightning gun. Um, <laughs> but um, this is what, you, you know, it's a mid-range weapon. It's a tracking gun. You want to keep your crosshair on the guy. They've got all these things for newer players who have never played a game like this to kind of get their feet wet if they want to try it. And that way they won't go into a server and just be like, why is everybody flying at a million miles an hour? Um, they have simplified the movement a little bit. You don't have to do the crazy mouse movements to, make, to you know, the angles with your mouse and straight jumping to get more speed you just automatically go faster there's a dash mechanic built in that is basically a built-in strafe jump you know it'll get you right up to 600 dps um so it's still high skill but it's like it lets you focus more on what you need to be focusing on which is getting guns getting armor and playing an actual arena fps interesting uh yeah so i'm i am very very stoked for this game it's been in development for a very very long time um they said there's going to be a closed beta starting probably the end of February and an open beta shortly thereafter. Uh, but that that's that's my next thing. And I love Quake, and I you know I would always support the franchise. But I think Diabolical is probably going to be my future as a competitive player. Wow, that's a strong statement. I mean, it's it's I come from Quake Live, and I love I loved Quake Live. Like, oh my gosh, it was such a fun, phenomenal skill based game. And um, I like Time Limit Duel and Quake Champions, but I definitely miss that more true sense of arena games with, you know, no abilities. And um, yeah. if you want to be, you know, it's skill versus skill. And if you're more skilled, you're going to win. And if you're not, well, then I'm sorry. Um, but uh, Quake Champions is definitely Quake, but it's definitely a flavor of Quake that's still good, but it's not the excellence I remember from Quake Live. And I think Diabolical is much closer to that original experience for me than Quake Champions will be. So, Wow. Yeah, the game looks pretty good. I've watched a little bit of the footage that you showed me. It has very Overwatchy type vibes with its visual styling from what I've yes, seen. Yes, very. Yep, yep. I think I even saw a play of the game graphic at some mm -hmm. point. Yep, um, there is a play of the game for the wipeout. So it, it, it's probably, probably for all modes, but I like the idea of a game that treats itself like Overwatch, but is actually Quake. I, I guess and one of the big kinda, differences. Yeah, that's kind of seems to be his like his direction. Too good's direction with it. Too good is really, from what I've seen on his streams, is he's like he's really trying to impart what made arena so great and why it has such a dedicated following you know of the people that are into it they are really into it i think he's really trying to impart that on this newer younger generation of gamers who 
are growing up with, you know, if you're really good, you can make money at video games. Whereas when you and I were growing up, it's like, well, you're really good at video games. And you're a degenerate cool. if you're good at video games. Yeah, exactly. You're not, you're not <laughs> making money. Like, you know, that was, that was a joke I heard all the time growing up, you know, and you, like, you got to quit playing them games. You ain't going to make no money doing them. It's like, well, flat, flash forward 15 years and you got millionaires out there playing video games. So yeah, <sighs> Twitch changed everything, man. Yeah, Twitch, Twitch, and competitive gaming just blew up like in tandem. It's like, and I, I got started just early enough to where I remember the old, you know, the old guard where it's, you know, you play for fun. Some games have like, you know, a little bit of prize money, but I mean, you make more money working at McDonald's, so if that's what you want to do. I guess like power to you, but you're not going to make anything out of it, you know. Not can't bunny hop at McDonald's, really though. I mean, you can't. I mean, you could, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like eventually you're probably going to get thrown out. <laughs> yeah, and Diabotical looks good. I'm I'm very happy to see that there is still someone working on pushing the genre of arena shooters forward. It's a genre that deserves to live. Um, uh, the thing about, uh, like, I, I really hope that they market it correctly in the sense that, like, you can have fun if you want to come in and play with your friends, but the core of Arena really, re it really is the competitive aspect, you know, that's, that's really no abilities, no, no hand, hand me outs, nothing. Like, if, if, you, if you want to compete or play this game on a serious level, it's, it's going to take some work from you. And um, I think there's a very big market for that if they market it in that way. And even if it's not so much in terms of player base, a lot of people like to watch arena shooters. Right. You know, they can it's they can see the skill that it takes. You know, these people are flying around the map. They're hitting flick shots. They're doing white eighties. They're hitting air rockets. They're tracking people for multiple seconds at a time. Like the kind of aiming styles that you have to have in arena FPS is the kind of aim you have to have in all games. But it's just. You know, you have to have hit scan like you do in Counter-Strike, and you have to have projectile aim that, I mean, honestly, I can't really think of a, a modern game that really has projectiles. But it has all these different aiming styles. Like, it takes a lot of mechanical skill to be good at, and it's very obvious. Even people who have never played Quake before can watch a Quake game and be like, that looks pretty fucking hard to do, man. That's not something <laughs> just anybody's going to pick up and do. So I think if they market it in a, in a way like that, that it has it has a shot to be a well-known game yeah and they but have to nail the spectatability oh absolutely absolutely and i think that's definitely something um the, the the thing that makes me so hopeful about this game is it's it's being spearheaded by someone who has been through all of the things that we're talking about right us as disappointing players he's in the same boat but he has uh, the option to or i guess the ability to or in the drive to try to do something about it so he's seen all these mistakes that these other companies have done yeah. and i think there's a lot of uh what not to do that was written before that engine was probably ever built so that sounds a lot to me like the story of the guy who made player unknown's battlegrounds player unknown he's just a guy yeah. mm -hmm. and he just yeah, got himself yeah. in a position to make a video game and he happened to know exactly what it needed to be yeah, and and look at PUBG, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Even it, you can tell how how important and effective PUBG is by the fact that it still exists with Fortnite being around. Yeah, it was the original, well, maybe not the original, but it was the BR that blew up BRs. And I actually have a lot of respect for PUBG because although it's not the type of game I would like to play, 
when it comes to VR, it is probably the most skill-requiring game. It, like, it's it's basically Counter-Strike, except you have to move around this whole damn map. You got your recoil control patterns. Um, it's super, like, you have to be very accurate with your shots. Yeah, uh, it uses, like, real-world bullet physics, I think. Yeah, well. it does. It does, yeah. It's a very, like, it's PUBG is a good game. It's just, it's not a game for me. But I respect, like, what it is and how hard it is to be good. And the thing that Kelly said to me was, for the first 500 hours you play PUBG, you're going to feel like an idiot and it's going to be miserable. And then after that, it starts to get fun. <laughs> I mean, and that's, I mean, that's, I mean, think of TFC, you come in a competitive TFC, you're probably not going to have a good time your first 500 hours. Yeah, I guess in the clan era, though, you were joining like uh, a clan that was close to your skill level and playing other people who were the same. So it was a little bit different in that sense. That's, um, no, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, it seems a little bit different. Are, are you talking more like the the kind of late latter-day TFC of mechanical demand? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely the later yeah. day. Uh, that is one thing I also hope, speaking, because we were just talking about Diabolical, TFC yeah. is such an outlier because it did have this, you know, mechanically demanding. But the TFC community was huge for years. For years, there were different tiers of teams, like, you yeah. know, these are hundreds Hundreds and in the early days, thousands of competitive players all trying to get better at bunny hopping and um, learning how to aim better, like all these very demanding skill sets. And the fact that TOC was as big as it was really drives home to me that there is a market for a game like this. It's just you can't. The thing about TOC, I think, that really gave it that longevity is the team aspect of it you know right. you're yes it's very mechanically demanding but you've got your buddies here you're all on ventrilo or icq or whatever you're yeah. talking to each other you're communicating with each other and quakes never really had so none of the quake games even have built-in like voice chat you know like you can't directly communicate to your team there's never really been a solid concerted effort to build one team oh. mode that everybody wants to play that has these kind of features to promote um, a more teammates because I love duel. I love duel, but dueling and one v one communities are very small by nature of what you're. It's only it's only you and one other guy, you know. So a team yeah, community it's a very is, different feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teams are better at building communities because people people are just naturally social. So it's better in that way to build a community. So I'm very much hoping that. Uh, that's something else that they really have thought about. And if they are going to build an eSport, I hope to God they have a really nice team mode planned out. Yeah. Like you said, in terms of being a, a good playing and a good spectating experience. Yeah, I really resonate with that too. Like I'm, I'm the prime example of a community-based player. If there's not an opportunity for a community to be built around a game, I just kind of tune out personally. And as much as I wanted to like Quake, because I've always loved Quake, I mean, I learned to love moving from playing Team Fortress Classic. Um, I looked at Quake, and there was actually a hot minute where I thought that maybe CTF for Quake would be that, but it didn't really seem to take. So that yeah, would very yes. much interest me too, with regard to Diabotical. Right, and that's always been that's always been a problem with Quake is it's never properly built on its team modes, which is really where you need the core. Because Duel, Duel will always be there. You know, it's not a hard game mode to make. Um, they've made some adjustments to Duel, which are cool, but like Duel is still Duel. And it's yeah. still 
where the it's still where the most hardcore of the hardcore go because that's you know it's all on you you don't have a team it's a very solitary experience and as a result it's not good at building a community because most people don't want to show up you know after work or school or whatever and play one versus one for six hours straight because that's just really mentally training and kind of taxing on you and that's that's not what most people want yeah yeah well so diabolical coming up at the, the closed beta in february hopefully you get access to that I would love to watch you stream it a little bit, maybe hear what you think about it. Um, are you done with Quake once that comes out, or are you going to kind of see how it goes? Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, it depends on uh, what kind of tournaments they're going to be throwing um, and stuff like that. I don't think they're going to have any tournaments until maybe late in the year, so um, or summer, maybe summer at the earliest, because they said they want the game to be out for a while. Like, publicly released so that anybody can come you know so it's not just like okay the game just came out and we're throwing a tournament tomorrow so that all the closed beta people are obviously going to have a leg up they want it to be an even field um so it'll be a couple months after release before they announce anything for the esports side i'm sure that makes sense right so i'm really i'm really hoping that it's out and in time enough to where there's a diabolical tournament at the byoc at quakecon that would be phenomenal on yeah. so many levels so I'm really hoping that there will be, you know, even just a small one, you know, it doesn't even have to have a prize pool. It's just let me compete in this damn game. Um, but as far as like Quake goes, if they're, if it's going to be, if it's still going to push Quake champions as the Quake to play, because, you know, there's no Quake live tournaments or anything. Like if they were going to throw a Quake live tournament, I'd, pl I'd play Quake live and Diabotical. Like I'd play them both. I love yeah. Quake live very, very much so. Um, so is Quake out like forever? No, I'm not just like, no, Diabolical's out. Like, I'm never playing any Quake ever again. Um, I don't know if I'll play a whole lot of Quake Champions just because um, if there's a game with a tournament scene that's objectively better, I'm, I'm going to go with the objectively better one. So, as a player, um, but if, you know, Quake Champions get shelved and they make a true, genuine, great Quake 5, like I was saying earlier, with a really cool single player that teaches you the mechanics and then boom, Quake 5 is actually Quake 3 Arena, but hella modernized, then I'll definitely play that too. Yeah. Damn, that's exciting. Well, I hope it happens, man. I love arena shooters. Well, listen, They are the birthplace of FPS, so... Absolutely. Well, hey, man, it's been really great catching up with you. This has been super fun. Um, I'd love to catch up with you again, especially after you have a chance to play some Diabotical, hear some impressions. But... Um, yeah, I think uh, I think we're good. Phenomenal, phenomenal. It was great to talk to you as well, Greg. Thank you very much for having me on. It was a pleasure, man. You take it easy. Have a good night. Yes, you as well, sir. Peace. Later.